My prayer this morning is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Do you have a table at your house? I don't need an answer because I know that everybody has a table at their house. I want you to close your eyes and picture the table in your house. Now, Vicki and I have two tables. I'm picturing the dining room table. Picture it in your mind. Its legs, its height, its length. What is it made out of? Are there scratches? Are there stains? Okay, open your eyes. Now, we all have tables, but let's be honest. None of our tables are identical to anybody else's table. And the Greek philosopher Plato said that we needed to have in our minds, in our imagination, an idea of a perfect table. It would be the perfect height and the perfect material and the perfect length for everybody to sit around. Well, another P person today named Piaget studied our minds, and he said that your understanding of table will grow. In fact, it'll be assimilated, not like the Borg. What does that mean? That means a little kid gets his high chair up to the table, and he can bang on the table and spill spaghetti on the table and do all that things with the table. Then one day we go to grandmom's and we're having a fancy dinner at the dining room table. So now his understanding of table has expanded. It went from that kitchen table to the dining room table. Well, grandmom likes to put little knickknacks on her coffee table and she keeps the light by the sofa on the end table. And every time that little child's understanding of table grows. You with me? Now, if he gets to sleep over at grandmom's, she might even have a side table by the bed in the guest room. All of those are tables and none of them are the same. It's the same, my friends, with fathers. We begin our understanding of fathers with our own father. Some fathers are strong. They're providers and coaches and hard workers, disciplinarians. They're patient and loving. They protect us. They fix broken things. They hug us. They're affectionate. Some fathers are not so positive. They're absent or they're violent, abusive. Sometimes they're drunk or mean or lazy or unaffectionate. And I want you to hear that that image of father is what we begin to understand when we hear the word. We assimilate the information around us. Now, after we understand our own father, we begin to look at the fathers who live on the block or the fathers who coach on the field, our, our baseball, football, soccer coaches. And then, my friends, there's the fathers we see in the media. I found this article written by Sarah Parsons, and I just want to read you a couple paragraphs because it's very disturbing. She said, it's not far to find if you watch TV that you've probably witnessed the portrayal of the modern-day husband and father as lazy, incompetent, and stupid. 
Just three, these three characteristics are sure to bring to mind one commercial or sitcom that personifies this type of man. The doofus dad stereotype isn't new, she says. There's Fred Flintstone, Dagwood Bumstead, and even Charlie Brown's monotone parents. But the consistency of these new portrayals has slowly created a new norm opposed to what being a father used to mean. While the dads in Leave it to Beaver and the Donna Reed show had flaws, they were close to what was then thought of as an ideal part of a family. Bob Thompson, creator of the Blair Center for Television and Popular Culture, says that later shows like the Family Ties, Growing Pains, and Full House showcased caring dads as a new generation. By the late 1980s, more shows wanted to distance themselves from this corny stuff and stepped in with shows like Married with Children and the Simpsons. Simpsons. Sorry, my lips aren't working. And that's just to mention a few examples. To finish, she says this. Negative general portrayals of fathers, husbands, men in TV commercials and sitcoms contribute to a decrease in men wanting to assume those roles today and creates the impression, among others, that men need not assume such roles anyway because they simply aren't important. Father's Day. Now, we have never met the Heavenly Father, but Jesus said two very telling things. He said, I and my Father are one. And he said, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. So here's a, a few Father's Day jokes for you. A mother was out walking with her four-year-old daughter, and the child picked up something off the ground and was about to put it in her mouth. The mom said, stop. Don't do that. The child said, why not? And the mother said, because it was on the ground. You don't know where it's been. It's dirty. It's probably loaded, loaded with germs. It'll make you sick. The child looked at the mother with admiration and said, Mommy, how do you know this stuff? You are so smart. The mother said, All moms know this stuff. It's on the mom test. You need to know it or they don't let you be a mom. There was silence for a minute and the child thought this through and then said, Oh, I get it. And if you don't pass the test, you must be a daddy. Someone once said that Father's Day is exactly like Mother's Day, but the gifts are cheaper. Now, to poke fun at dads one more time, the story's told of a dad who was babysitting the children. The nine-year-old was playing in the corner of the living room, and the little 18-month-old daughter had been given a tea set. And every now and then, she would carefully bring in a cup of tea for dad. It was just water, and hand it to dad, and dad would make a big deal out of smelling the tea and sipping the tea. It was... It was quite an event, and off the girl would go, and back she would come with more tea, and off and back, until the mother came home from shopping and witnessed this happen, and it was so cute. And then she said to the dad, did it ever occur to you that the only place the 18-month-old can reach to get water is the toilet? It's not easy being a dad. And I want you to hear this. By the time we get to the image of our Heavenly Father, all of these other definitions of fathers have assimilated into our understanding. 
And our Heavenly Father has to fight through our earthly understanding to let us know what it is He has in store for us. Every teacher knows that some children look exactly like their fathers. Some people sound like their fathers, and most children act like their fathers. So Jesus, I want you to hear this, the only begotten Son of God does two things in the Bible story today. He calms the storm and he chastises the disciples. Now, what do we know about storms? We know that storms come suddenly. They cannot be prevented or avoided. (laughs) If you see the dark clouds on the horizon, you can't go out there and, like, wave a big fan or salt the cloud. There's nothing you can do. Storms are coming. The second thing is that storms often come suddenly. We've all been outside at a picnic or a barbecue and you look up and you go oh look at that and 10 minutes later you're grabbing all the stuff off the picnic table storms come suddenly now if you are in a boat storms can make you change direction and storms or the fear of storms can paralyze us into inaction I have had the experience of seeing nurses deal with their own sick children. And I I have to tell you something. All of that nursing knowledge leaks out of their... They have none left. Child has 104 temperature, and the mom looked at me and goes, what do we do? And I'm like, I'm not that kind of doctor. And I had to step in, even though I have zero medical knowledge, to help the child. Now, I ran to the refrigerator and got Gatorade, and we played a drinking game, and we cooled the child off. By the time we got to the doctor, it was down to like 99, and he said, why are you here? But we can be paralyzed by the storms. So there are four and a half lessons I want you to learn today, and the first one is this. You've already heard me say it, but I want to make it very clear. Storms happen. And I want you to know that they don't just happen once. After this storm goes through, guaranteed, there's going to be another one. Storms can be financial. They can be personal. They can be emotional. Storms can be psychological or mental, situational. Storms can be occupational, spiritual. And yes, you can have actual storms. You may remember last September, Vicki and I, for the first time at our new house, had nine inches of water because of a storm. There was so much water, it filled our basement with water. That was a new experience for me. I hope I never have it again. The second thing, the second lesson is this. Jesus is always with us. In fact, at the end of Matthew, Jesus said, and lo... I am with you always. Now, I heard one pastor say that that was why he never flew in an airplane. Because Jesus said, lo, I am with you always. That's your bad joke for the day. It makes me smile, though. And then we have this, third lesson. The key in the rebuking was peace. Now, when Jesus said peace, it didn't mean the absence of conflict. Peace is a Jewish concept You've heard it in the word shalom, and it meant would you have an 
a calm, a peace over your whole life. Like you would have peace or calm over a whole lake or a sea when there was a storm. He said two things. He said, peace, shalom, be still. And that brought to every one of those Jewish disciples' minds the psalmist who said, be still and know that I am God. So let's look at that for a second. Peace, may you have calm over everything, and in the calm, you will know that I am God. Jesus wished for the sea and for the disciples a sense of well-being. Now notice, because it's Father's Day, that Jesus didn't go to the storm. Well, why now? Or, why me? Or, just stop it. Or, how many times do I have to tell you not to wake me up when there's a storm? Or, some dads like myself use the power of their voice and he didn't get up and go, yo, or hey, or ah. Jesus stood up and said, peace, shalom, be still. As much as a command that was for the sea, it was also for the disciples. Now, we talked about this in the children's sermon. These were not people unfamiliar with boats and waves and storms. And yet they were running around like my mom used to say, like chickens with their heads cut off. What do we do? What do we do? We're all going to die. These were professional sailors. And maybe the commentaries were right when they said that Jesus said peace as much to them as he did to the waves. And if we're learning for today, Jesus says to us, peace, be still. Our God is greater than the storm. Now, remember, there was also a chastisement. Jesus said to the disciples, how long until you trust in my power and authority? God wants us, Jesus wants us to trust him. We need to trust his word. Every part of his word. You don't get to pick and choose what part of the gospel and the Old Testament you take. And that's what people are doing today. They just find their favorite verse that says what they wanted to say, and they ignore the rest. Now, enclosed in his word are God's commands. My little children, love one another. Forgive as I forgive you. The church needs to become a loving and forgiving place again. Jesus also reminds us that he wants us, the church, to trust him as much as we trust his Father. And finally, of course, this is my big point, and the motorcycle goes by. Jesus reminds us that if he is a son of God, and we are children of God, that we need to follow his example. One of the teachers at school has almost the identical family system with children that we do. They have two boys, a six-year-old ga- six-year gap, and then the daughter. And we talk about the fact that my sons used to try and parent their sister. They knew the rules. They knew dad. 
I'll never forget one day she was doing something and I heard them in the other room and they're like, dad, we'll get you. Dad, we'll always find out. Stop challenging dad. Well, what does Jesus say? Dad loves you. Dad is watching you. Dad does not want to correct you, but guess what? He will if he has to. Jesus says, follow my example. And I finished the children's sermon with this, but I want to circle back to it. The disciples looked at one another and said, even the wind and the waves obey him. What they really needed to do was look at each other and say, we need to obey him. Even today, 2,000 years after Jesus lived, died, and was resurrected, the pastors are still reminding the people what God said, pointing them in the right direction, and then picking them up when they make mistakes, which we call sin. Whatever your storm, and you heard me say this, you will have storms. Whatever your storm, wherever you are, your Heavenly Father loves you. Your Heavenly Father cares for you, provides for you, instructs you, disciplines you, and protects and saves His children. I want to say one more thing. And you may not want to hear it, but I wrote it down, so I'm going to say it. Sometimes we create our own storms. And then we expect God to dig us out of the storm. And sometimes a wise father says, you know what? You dug this hole, you're going to have to climb out on your own. That doesn't mean he doesn't love us. It doesn't mean he doesn't care for us or protect us. But sometimes our Heavenly Father needs us to learn the difficult lessons in life. Like all the disciples, because we are the disciples of Christ, we need to call out to Jesus and trust in Him. Amen.